This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show. ESPN New York, Pat O'Keefe with you for the next few hours on a frigid, frigid afternoon in New York City and its surrounding parts. Hope everyone is doing well. A really big sports weekend. Great opportunity to, uh, well, to really stay inside and enjoy the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Some Knicks basketball in between. A big game at Madison Square Garden. More than a big game at Madison Square Garden, but a big night at Madison Square Garden as the Knicks take on the Toronto Raptors and the two prominent former Knicks, recent Knicks, R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, making their returns to the world's most famous arena in front of their former home fans. But the story of the weekend is the divisional round in the NFL playoffs. It begins in about an hour and a half in frigid Baltimore, where the top-seeded Ravens make their entry into this NFL postseason. After getting the bye and earning the bye last week, they take on the upstart C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. The first of two games today, Green Bay and San Francisco. The 49ers, of course, the top seed in the NFC, also earning the bye during the regular season. They host the Packers at 8-15 tonight. So that's the sampler for today. And then, of course, two very attractive matchups tomorrow, Tampa Bay and Detroit. Kansas City at Buffalo. That's the headliner. That's the Sunday 6.30 CBS vehicle. Weekend over at that point. Settle in and enjoy what should be a terrific game in, again, frigid conditions in Buffalo. So, you know, each of these four games, it's kind of become cliche to say, you know, a lot of people who like to sound smart, you know, and introspective about talking about football because we know how important that is. But, A lot of people like to say that this is their favorite football weekend of the year because it's four terrific matchups. In theory, it's the eight best teams the entire season. Yes, there are more matchups last week during Super Wild Card Weekend, but a lot of those matchups end up in blowouts, even ones that you don't expect to end up in blowouts do. But, you know, Miami and Kansas City – That wasn't enjoyable, even if you were able to access that through Peacock. That wasn't an enjoyable or competitive game to watch. Um, The Browns and the Texans game certainly wasn't a competitive game to watch. As it turned out, the Buccaneers and the Eagles game was a mismatch. So was the Packers game against the Dallas Cowboys. You got one terrific game last weekend. The Lions holding on for dear life to beat the L.A. Rams to move into this divisional round. That's why tomorrow, you know, tomorrow is fun because tomorrow the two games are hosted by the two quote-unquote tortured franchises that remain in the field. The Lions, one of a very few amount of teams, forget what the current count is of teams that haven't been to the Super Bowl, but the Lions are on that list. You know, we got Super Bowl 57 coming up. The Lions have not been to any of the previous Super Bowls. Okay, the Buffalo Bills, as we all know, have never won the Super Bowl and have not been to the Super Bowl since going four times in a row in a generation. And there was a long, long period of really just dormant football for that franchise until about four or five years ago when they returned to the playoffs. And then they've been a staple in the playoffs ever since then. However, since Buffalo returned to the playoffs, there has always seemingly been one one thing standing in the way between them and success. And that, of course, is their opponent once again tomorrow night, the Kansas City Chiefs. So a lot of intrigue there. I mean, think about the situation in Detroit. 
Detroit went to the NFC Championship game in 1991. They haven't been back there since. They are somewhat comfortable favorites over Tampa Bay. Six, six and a half, depending on what line you're looking at. So that means they've got a very good chance, and the expectations are that they beat this Buccaneers team and they advance to the NFC Championship. Just think about what that atmosphere is going to be like tomorrow afternoon in Ford Field. Because, look, I just mentioned Buffalo, their last five or six years, they've been a staple in the playoffs. They've had a lot of regular season success. They've had division championships, and they keep running into the Kansas City Chiefs. Last year, they ran into the Cincinnati Bengals, who eliminated them in the second round. Detroit would kill to have the level of success that Buffalo has enjoyed. You know, most fans look at Buffalo going to the Super Bowl four years in a row in the early 1990s and losing it all four times. The Lions fans look at that and say, oh, my God, that team, they're so lucky. They went to the Super Bowl four years in a row. Detroit has never, ever gone to the Super Bowl. And even this recent run of success for Buffalo, Detroit would kill for that. And here they are. They're they're a step away from getting to the NFC Championship game. There's still a chance, an outside chance. Green Bay would have to beat San Francisco. But there's still an outside chance that if Detroit does get to the NFC Championship game, they would be hosting the NFC Championship game. It's a long shot, but it's still out there. But either way, just imagine how jacked up those fans are going to be in the Motor City tomorrow afternoon. And that's where you get the really, really good stories in the NFL. You know, you take it for granted, and we did for so long, because, and it's interesting to talk about this now and appropriate with Bill Belichick just having moved on from the New England Patriots after 20-plus seasons, but... Every year when you look at this divisional round, you could write in ink, not even in pencil, in ink, in Sharpie, the New England Patriots as one of the eight teams. And they haven't been there for several years now. Now it's the Kansas City Chiefs. But for the Chiefs, they've done it for the last six or seven years. The Patriots did it for more than two decades. Every single year, they were one of the last eight teams standing. And then obviously they've fallen on hard times. They are going in a different direction with a new head coach, Gerard Mayo. But as a result of that, the last few years, they have not been part of the equation, which opens up opportunities for other franchises. Baltimore has enjoyed a lot of success, including the ultimate success a couple of times, including 10 years ago, although that's a long time ago now, in 2013 when they beat the 49ers in Super Bowl 47. The 49ers in recent years have enjoyed a lot of success, but they they keep stubbing their toe on their way to the ultimate goal. I would say over the last five years, collectively, the 49ers have probably been the best team in the NFL to have not hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. Kansas City, we know about their recent success. They've been the best team and the most successful team in the NFL over the last five or six years, including winning one of their two Super Bowls at the expense of the 49ers. And the Bills have become kind of staples here. And then you have you have the new blood. You have the Houston Texans, who bottomed out last year. The Houston Texans actually, the entire season, were in position to pick first in the draft until Lovey Smith threw them a curveball on his way out the door in Week 18 last season and allowed the Bears to lose and jump over the Texans into the number one spot in last year's draft. And the Bears pulled off a fantastic trade as a result of that. Houston still picked number two. Usually teams that pick second overall in the draft do not take the kind of leap 
that the Houston Texans have been able to take. But to bottom out one year and to be in the divisional round the next year is just an incredible job by their head coach, D'Amico Ryans, who was such a successful defensive coordinator with the 49ers, and their quarterback, C.J. Stroud. And Stroud was good right away. Opening week, he lost to the Baltimore Ravens, who he's going to face this weekend, this afternoon, in about an hour and a half. But he played really well. And he played really well the entire season. And there was a couple of dips in performances late in the year. Didn't look great in that Jets game. As it turned out, he was concussed in that game. Had to miss some time after that. But he came back with a vengeance. Got his team into the playoffs. And then put on a performance for the ages for a rookie quarterback last week in their wild card win over the Cleveland Browns. So you have Houston, kind of an uncharted territory. How about Green Bay? All the talk in New York this year, all the talk in New York about Aaron Rodgers and all the talk in recent years about how Rodgers was wronged by the Packers organization because when he was still at the height of his powers and they were knocking on the door and earning number one seats and hosting playoff games at Lambeau Field, for them to have the gall to quote-unquote waste a first-round draft pick on another quarterback and not someone who could help Aaron Rodgers right away? Imagine the temerity of the Green Bay Packers' brain trust for doing that, and it resulted in Jordan Love, who we're not completely sold on Jordan Love, but the second half of the season, statistically, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And wouldn't it be amazing if Green Bay did it again? Look, Brett Favre wasn't an instant success, Aaron Rodgers wasn't an instant success, and Jordan Love wasn't an instant success. But much like Rodgers, Jordan Love, the second half of his first year as a starting NFL quarterback, you started to see signs that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. We spoke about Detroit, Tampa Bay, reclamation projects, the quarterback, Baker Mayfield. This is what, his his fourth team? He went to Cleveland, actually won a playoff game for the Browns, which is a huge deal. Until they tired of him, he played hurt two years ago, and that cost him his job because he played hurt, but he also played poorly. They moved on from him. They sent him to Carolina where nobody could succeed, quarterbacking the worst franchise in the NFL. Carolina cut him loose. He went to the Rams, played for a superior offensive coach in Sean McVay, started to get some of his mojo back late last season. He was available. Tampa Bay brought him in. Had to compete for the starting job. He won the starting job in training camp against Kyle Trask. And he started all 17 games plus the wild card game, which they won, in which he played brilliantly. And the numbers, which were really good, should have actually been a lot better. But his receivers dropped three or four passes from him in the first half. So you now have Baker Mayfield into the divisional round, facing off against another quarterback in Jared Goff, who was cast aside by a team his previous team, the Los Angeles Rams three years ago, and Baker, a reclamation project just like his head coach, Todd Bowles, who we know all about here in New York. Well, how about where Bowles is now? Into the second round, having won the division with Tampa Bay, something they did last year with Tom Brady, but also getting past that first wild card weekend into the last eight in the NFL playoffs. And then, of course, that all sets the stage for the headliner, Tomorrow night, Kansas City, Buffalo, all the recent history between those two teams, um, both in the regular season and in the postseason. If this is another classic game, Kansas City, Buffalo, this rivalry is becoming this generation's 
New England against Indianapolis. When every year, because of the way the NFL schedule is structured, if you win your division, the next year you play all of the other division winners in your conference. So every year the Colts with Peyton Manning were winning their division, and every year the Patriots with Tom Brady were winning their division. And every single year they met during the regular season, and at least half the time they would face off against each other in the postseason. And it was an event. It was an event every single time they took the field. And with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and the Chiefs and the Bills, that's what you have right now. The one difference is the Patriots, multiple-time champions. Uh, The Colts won their Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. The Chiefs are now multiple-time champions. And the Bills, this current iteration of the Bills, for all their division championships and for all their trips to the playoffs and all their trips to the divisional round, they have not yet not only won the Super Bowl, they have not yet appeared in the Super Bowl. And it's not going to be likely that it's set up any better for them than it is this week. At home against the Kansas City team, which is offense is not nearly, not nearly on the same plane it has been in recent years. And Josh Allen, healthy. Stephon Diggs, healthy. You're not going to set it up any better for the Bills than this week to finally to finally beat their tormentors in a big spot. Now, they've beaten them in the regular season before, even this year in the regular season, through some help from the bonehead Kadarius Tony. but they did beat them. But they have to do it in the postseason, and they're not going to get a better or cleaner chance to do it than this year. So all that's on the table, and we got lots to talk about. I'll have some thoughts on every one of those matchups the NFL coaching carousel. This it's kind of slow moving, which is surprising. Some news today with the Las Vegas Raiders and the former Giants linebacker Antonio Pierce officially being named their head coach. So great news for him, and I think good news for the organization as well. You like to see somebody get an opportunity to do a job that he has long coveted, go out and nail that opportunity and be rewarded for it by being allowed to continue to do that job. And that's the case with Antonio Pierce in Las Vegas with the Raiders. But a lot of other high-profile coaches still out there and a lot of other high-profile and attractive openings still out there as well. We'll talk the Knicks. We'll talk the NBA. 1-800-919-3776. We'll hear from you as well. Pat O'Keefe with you till 7 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Perfect football watching weather, because unless you have a reason to be outside, um, you probably shouldn't go outside today. It continues to be freezing out there in and around New York City. Lots to talk about with these divisional round NFL playoff games. Houston at Baltimore coming up in a little more than an hour in Baltimore, where it's really cold and windy. And then Green Bay at San Francisco tonight. Tomorrow you have the Bucks and the Lions, followed by the Chiefs and the Bills. Your thoughts, 1-800-919-3776. Let's lead things off this hour. We go to the phones and bring in Sal in Brooklyn. Sal, what's going on? Hey, Pat. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Keeping warm, thank you. Hey, listen, you know, with Todd Bowles in New York, they couldn't wait to run him out of town. He's a good human being. He's a good coach. But unfortunately, he never had a quarterback just like and everybody, he stinks, he stinks. Get him out of here, get him out of here. I'm rooting for him. I'm hoping he puts the kind of D 
on Goff, and he's going to be like a deer in headlights like he was in the Super Bowl where he was lost before the game even started singing the national anthem. I want that kind of D to go up on this kid today. So let's. I'm rooting for Todd Bowles. I'm a Todd Bowles dude. Only because New York couldn't wait to run him out of town. You don't run good people out, man. He's a good human being. And Buffalo had their chance, but their coach played not to lose with those 13 seconds that he's not kicking the squib. So it's not on Allen. He brought that team back twice. Twice he had Kansas City crying, and then the coach decided, you know what, I'm not playing. I'm not going to play to win. I'm, play- I'm-, I'm going to play not to lose, and he ended up losing. So that's the game to watch tomorrow because it's going to be two heavyweights going back and forth, and no matter how decimated that KC offense is, you still got Mahomes behind center, man. They're never out of any game. So enjoy the weekend, my brother. Have a good time. Enjoy the Nick game later, and let's go Todd Bowles. <laughs> To the New York fans, my man is a good human being. Good thoughts, Sal. Well, I agree with man. that, too. Th- well. Thanks for the call. He is a good human being. I-, I would also say that from what I've seen, Robert Sal is a good human being also and not not a great coach. But it is interesting. Sal, Sal raised a couple of interesting points. First, regarding Bowles. The two coaches over the last 15 years for the Jets who have had by far and away the most success. And he's right. People could not wait to get them out of town. History has looked much more fondly on those two coaches for the work they did in New York, not even for the work that they've done after. And that, of course, is Rex Ryan, who you can make the case that outside of Bill Parcells and his three-year stint as the Jets head coach, or was it a two-year stint? No, it was a three-year stint as the Jets head coach. You can make a strong case that outside of Parcells in the late 1990s, since Weeb Eubank, Rex Ryan has been the best and the most successful head coach of the Jets franchise. And then the other one is Bowles. And Bowles came in his first year, and he almost went to the playoffs with Ryan Fitzpatrick as his starting quarterback. That was a really good team. They had really – the Jets, through this entire stretch, from Rex Ryan all the way to present day, for the most part, have had a very strong defense. Um, They had a lot of offensive weapons on that Jets team in 2015, and they just couldn't finish the deal in the Week 16 or Week 17 game up in Buffalo against, ironically, Rex Ryan. And you wonder how history could have been different if if the Jets were able to win that game and go to the playoffs. And we weren't sitting here today talking about a 13-year playoff list drought. I will say this about Bulls. Um, it, just in terms of his messaging, he did not do himself a lot of favors. You know, he's not overly... Um, gregarious you know he's not outgoing and in times where there are troubled waters such as there were for the last three years when he was the coach when they were winning four or five games a year being gregarious and outgoing can actually buy you some time and I would refer to Rex Ryan again you know Bowles was he and 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 that's just how he is he's a very uh serious guy He's not going to BS you. He says what's on his mind, and he doesn't say a thing more than what's on his mind. And a lot of times that doesn't necessarily curry you favor in a town like this. At the end of the day, it comes down to wins and losses. You know, it's good to see him enjoying this success right now. That's the one matchup. When I look at these four matchups, and, and there are three, well, there's, there are two significant favorites, the two games tonight, Baltimore and San Francisco, Last I checked, they were both nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Detroit's a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite, which is a pretty sizable favorite. And then you have Buffalo, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Kansas City. That's the toss-up in 
pretty much everybody's eyes. All right. Of the three games where there's either a significant or a sizable favorite, the one team, the one favorite that concerns me the most is Detroit. And I'll be honest with you. I think Detroit has, you know, Detroit has the talent advantage on both sides of the ball. But Tampa Bay in this matchup, and this says a lot about Todd Bowles, but it also says something about Dan Campbell. Detroit, uh, Tampa Bay has the coaching advantage in this game. Todd Bowles coached circles around Nick Sirianni last week. He went up against a guy who, more than halfway through the season, was the favorite. Last week, he went up against the guy who, more than halfway through the season, was the favorite to win the NFL's Most Valuable Player Award in Jalen Hurts. And he made him look foolish. He made him look lost in that game. I mean, did you see how mixed up? They were actually in the game, even though Tampa Bay dominated from the get-go. Because of all those dropped passes in the first half that I referred to earlier, because of that, Detroit was, or excuse me, Philadelphia was able to hang in that game. And in the second half, when they finally broke free and got a touchdown and made it a more manageable deficit and had the ball where there was a chance to cut further into it, and Jalen Hurts on that drive drops back into the end zone and gets called for the intentional grounding. I actually think he was down anyway for his actual safety. It doesn't matter. The result of the play was a safety and two points, which the Buccaneers then converted into a touchdown, and that essentially ended the game. But Todd Bowles had Jalen Hurts looking lost in that game last week. And Dan Campbell does some funky things. I mean, just look back to the Cowboys game a couple of weeks ago where, yes, they did get screwed by the officials who were confused on the reporting of the eligible, ineligible linemen when they went for the two-point conversion and got it until it was taken away from them. They did get screwed. But, you know, Campbell's tunnel vision, single-mindedness, whatever it is, still to go for two when they back them up to now the seven-yard line when a extra point would have tied the game and you kick the can down the road that was that was very confusing and concerning behavior and he's a bit of a wild card he's not a bit of a wild card he's a wild card and his that's all part of his personality and his essence and there's good parts and there's bad parts detroit most people will tell you is the most physical team still out there and that's because of him you know he sets the tone he's a tough brash physical dude look at the guy the guy's arms are the size arms are the size of tree trunks let alone his legs all right um but there's also a bit of a wild card in there where i i think sometimes he is not prone to make the most sound decisions out there and that could come back to bite them baker mayfield is a quarterback who could throw 3 to 4 interceptions or baker mayfield is a quarterback who could get red hot and throw three to four touchdowns. So there's a bit of concern for me on the part of the Lions as I look at this game tonight. And isn't it amazing how far Todd Bowles has come from what he was thought of and what he was known as as the coach of the Jets. And yeah, our last caller, Sal, was absolutely right. People could not wait to run him out of town. To here he is. He's now won the division two years in a row. You want to say last year he had Tom Brady? Okay, that's fine. Last year he had Tom Brady. He didn't have Tom Brady this year, and he won the division again with a reclamation project at quarterback, and then he won a playoff game 
and dominated a playoff game. And now he goes into the divisional round on the road. But the reason why I and many others are giving his team a chance in this game is largely because of him. Because he, in my mind, provides Tampa Bay with the coaching advantage over Detroit. That's a pretty steep climb in recent years for Todd Bowles. 1-800-919-3776. More thoughts on the, the Bucks and the Lions. And more thoughts on this Bills and Chiefs game, too. I want to talk a lot about Josh Allen and what's at stake for him. In fact, the question I have is, which quarterback of the eight playing this weekend, which quarterback is under the most pressure to win this weekend? It's Pat O'Keefe on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is... Is the Pat O'Keefe Show. Bills quarterback Josh Allen ahead of tomorrow night's game at his home field against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, the fourth and final game of NFL Divisional Weekend, which gets started in about an hour with Houston at Baltimore. It really is, look, with Buffalo in this run, And you see these runs in sports a lot where teams have prolonged periods of success going to the playoffs, winning division championships, going to conference championship games. And Buffalo has had a really, really good five, six-year run of a lot of success right now. But it's those come to an end. And a lot of times throughout sports history, they come to an end not only – before the team has a chance to win the championship. It happens more often than not. A lot of times it comes to an end before the team can even get to the championship. And Buffalo is still looking for this version of the Buffalo Bills, are still looking for their first trip to the Super Bowl. And I don't know, at least as far as getting past their chief tormentors, who Allen was talking about, the Chiefs, I don't know if it's going to be set up easier than it is for them tomorrow when they had them on their home field against a Chiefs team that is clearly, especially offensively, not at the same level as they were during their previous two recent Super Bowl championships. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Bobby in Belmore. Bobby, what's going on? Yes, but you also got to look at the fact where, you know, <clears throat> I'm sorry, uh, Kansas City, when they play Miami, Miami's defense was decimated. Now, Buffalo's defense is even more decimated. So they're getting a big break, the Chiefs. I mean, five of their starters are out and three of their subs. They're going to be playing with second and third string, especially at the linebacker position. And I think even as bad as Kelsey's been, you know, dropping passes, Mahomes is going to eat them up in the the inside of the middle of the field. Bobby, I, I don't disagree with you. And the injuries for Buffalo are a significant factor here especially on the defensive side of the ball. If you look at this matchup, Kansas City and Buffalo, this is not your traditional, this is not the game uh, you know, from three years ago when it was a shootout, an incredible shootout in the fourth quarter, and Kansas City ends up going downfield, kicking the game, tying field goal with 13 seconds left, winning the game in overtime. This is not that type of game. couple of reasons. Number one, the Chiefs' offense is not nearly – not nearly what it was in that game. Obviously, there's no Tyree Kill. Travis Kelsey is several years older. Um, the number one wide receiver is now Rushy Rice. You know, there's a number of reasons why Kansas City's offense, they just haven't gotten on track this year. But Kansas City's defense is better. Kansas City's defense right now, now you want to look at the Bills and say the strength of their team is their offense. It is. But the strength of the Chiefs team is their defense. And here's the other strength of the Chiefs team. And this can't be discounted. And it's somewhat obvious, but it's worth stating. 
a strength of this Chiefs team is they know how to win. They know how to win these games. They have been there and done that more than every other team currently playing this weekend, by far. They have lapped the field. The only one who could compare to the amount of big games that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have been in together with the Kansas City Chiefs were Brady and or Belichick, and they're both gone now. Brady's gone, and Belichick is not part of the equation right now. So they have lapped the field just in terms of experience. And, you know, in an earlier year, they would have gone out and tried to put 30, 35 points on the board against Buffalo. They know that, it, A, that's not possible or likely right now, and, B, it's not necessary. What's necessary is to do what it takes to win, just like they did last week. You take what the other team gives you. You're playing in frigid temperatures against a quarterback in Tuatunga Vailoa who wants no part of this game and against the Dolphins' defense that was befelled by several key injuries, then you don't need to overreach. All you need to do is have more points than your opponent by the end of the game. And with teams that win and win and win, the more you win, this is where the experience thing comes in. They know how to get there. You know, LeBron James, at this point in his career, knows how to get there. The second half of his career, when he went back to Cleveland, when he brought the Cavaliers to four consecutive NBA Finals against Eastern Conference opponents who were not a murderer's row. You know, there was one year where the Indiana Pacers were starting Lance Stevenson were his biggest competition. Um, He just knew how to get to the final buzzer with his team leading on the scoreboard. And that's where Patrick Mahomes is right now, and that's where Andy Reid is right now. That's where Tom Brady got by the end of his career. That's where Bill Belichick was at the you know end of his tenure with Tom Brady, and that's where the Chiefs are. Now, Josh Allen's not there, and Sean McDermott certainly is not there. He proved that three years ago when they took the lead and they had 13 seconds left and he could have kicked short and run some time off the clock and elected to kick it into the end zone. And Kansas City said, thank you very much. We'll start at the 25-yard line. We'll complete two passes. We'll get out of bounds. We'll line up for a game-tying field goal. We'll take our chances in overtime, and hopefully that will work out. And that's exactly what happened. Now, up until now, that was their best chance. This is their best chance. Because for all the things I could say about the Chiefs' defense being stronger, for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid having all of that big game experience, the fact is that talent can talent can overcome anything. But it's talent harnessed in the right way. You know, and, and anybody who watches football knows the list of quarterbacks that are more talented than Josh Allen is a very, very short list. And he can... He can beat you, but he can also beat himself. As Jets fans and NFL fans saw week one after Rodgers went down, he handed the Jets a win in a big game on Monday Night Football. But he could also go out there and throw for four touchdowns and run for one other one and put 35 points on the board and lead his team to the AFC Championship game. This is his opportunity to do that because this team, they almost didn't make it into the field this year. Think about that. They entered week 18, the Bills did. Unsure if they would even make the playoffs. If they lost to the Dolphins in Week 18 there in Miami, there was a chance that the Bills would not be part of the playoff field. Now, results earlier than when they took the field already had pushed them into the playoffs. The Steelers 
uh, excuse me, the Jaguars losing um, had pushed them into the playoffs anyway. But the fact is they were that close to not even being a part of this. So they're coming to kind of the end of this little run here. You know, does Kansas City, and Kansas City's coming to the end of their big run here. Does Kansas City elongate it? Does Buffalo elongate it and give them a chance? That's why this game is so fascinating on so many different levels. Let's go to Artie in Brooklyn. Artie, what's going on? Hey, Pat. You know, it's interesting that the three quarterbacks that were available, more, but everybody was talking about Rodgers, Carr, and nobody was talking about Baker Mayfield. And the Cleveland Browns made it to the playoffs with Baker, but they decided that they could only go so far. That was their decision. And then now look where look where Baker is and look where, you know, the Cleveland Browns are, the Jets are, and the Saints. So, I mean, it, yeah, the quarterback is the most important, but you know what? It ends up being the team. And you guys talked about, like, you, I mean, you talked about bowls and stuff. I wouldn't consider him one of the top coaches, but the, the, the fact remains that his defense won a, won a Super Bowl because he was the defensive coordinator. And their defense won. It wasn't, I don't think it was Brady's offense that won. And then, um, was it, wait, Brady's, uh, I'm sorry, I take it back. That Bulls won with the, the Super Bowl with Brady, but I think it was his defense that won the Super Bowl, not Brady's offense. And then also. Um, That's right. That's right, by the way. Would you rather have a coach that could put on a good defense like Bulls? Or, like, what is the key? That's a good question. You know, I, I think Artie's question was in some way related to the Jets. So I'll, I'll relate it to what the Jets' approach was because he mentioned Baker Mayfield was available in the offseason. We, we, we've gone down the road of debating Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers. Look, did it work out year one? Obviously, it did not. The Jets' season was a disaster. But I can't sit here when I was – as loud as any other voice saying that Aaron Rodgers was the play for the Jets and then say that, well, they should have gone in a different direction because that would be hypocritical on my part. I thought that Rodgers was the move to make at the time. Now, at the same time, I would, I was fond of saying that if the Jets last year, not this past year, but you know, the, the year before, when they also went 7-10, and 10, before Rodgers got here, if they just had average quarterback play, they would have gone to the playoffs with how good their defense was. And that I still believe to be true, and I believe that to be true this season. That being said, when Aaron Rodgers is available and wants to come to your team, it's impossible It's impossible to say no to that. I just don't know an executive or a head coach or an owner – and it's not like he's 44 years old and three or four years removed from relevant play. All right, last year, his final season in Green Bay, when they lost to the Lions in Week 18 and missed the playoffs, did his play take a bit of a dip? Yeah, but it took a dip from the two years before that. He was the MVP of the league. So a guy who's a year removed from being a two-time back-to-back MVP wants to come to your team? Because I would say that Average quarterback play would get you to the playoffs. But stellar quarterback play, what could that do for you, right? We never said that Derek Carr 
if Derek Carr is your quarterback, you could win the championship. But with Aaron Rodgers, the thought was that he could come in here and, yes, not only get you to the playoffs, which I still think he would have done if he would have remained healthy, but the reason why he didn't remain healthy um, is also the same reason why I don't think you could assume that he would have remained healthy even if he didn't get hurt in Buffalo in the Buffalo game because the offensive line was so porous all year long, Rodgers was going to go down at some point. But if he had played most of, if not the entire season, the Jets would have been a playoff team and would have been a factor in the playoffs because of his presence. And you wouldn't have gotten that with a Derek Carr, and you wouldn't have gotten that with a Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield was never on the table. The fact is it's it, it's easy to kind of go back and relitigate the decision to go after Aaron Rodgers now, I think if you're a Jets fan or even if you're just a football fan. But I just think, I thought then and I think now, even though it did not work out, the right decision was made. You have an opportunity to bring in an all-time great to quarterback a team that is one of the best defenses in the NFL. You have to take that opportunity, and you take that opportunity again. And, in fact, the Jets are going to have that opportunity again, hopefully, if Aaron Rodgers can stay healthy next year. Coming up on kickoff in Baltimore, looking up at the TV monitor right now, Lamar Jackson is taking the field. He's under a lot of pressure today. He has not performed well in the playoffs during his career, but which quarterback playing this weekend is under the most pressure? I'll have some thoughts on that and more of your calls at 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe with you till 7 and Knicks basketball right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show. The NFL playoffs continuing. Some breaking hockey news here in New York. That's right. Julian and Chantel with us today. Guys, good to see you. Uh, Some breaking hockey news in the last few minutes. The New York Islanders have uh, fired Lane Lambert as their head coach. And Patrick Waugh, one of the greatest goaltenders in NHL history, is now the new head coach of the New York Islanders. So uh, I feel like the Islanders and and Lou Lamorello have been dancing around this all season long. They got off to a tough start, a lot of overtime games, a lot of shootout losses early in the season, but they were getting points out of that, so they were staying in the race in the Metropolitan Division earlier, and then they started winning some of those games and got a little hot, so things seemed to simmer down a little bit, and you didn't hear much about Lane Lambert's job security but in recent games, the Isles have lost their last four. They're one and six in their last seven. They're two and eight in their last ten. And by no means are they buried in the Metropolitan Division. Overall, they're 19, 15, and 11. They have 49 points. Now, as far as getting into the top three in their division, they're six points behind third place Carolina. So that certainly is not insurmountable. As far as the wild card picture goes right now, the Islanders are, let's see, at 49 points. They have the same amount of points as the Devils, but they've played two more games than the Devils. The Isles are two points out of the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. So they're still very much in the mix. They've played 45 games, so they're just over the halfway point. Uh, Patrick Waugh has always been a feisty guy in his playing days, in his head coaching days. Um, you know, he's a guy who will come in and quote unquote rattle the cages of the players and kind of light a fire under them. So, uh, you know, throughout his career, long and successful and storied career, 
Lou Lamarello has never been shy about making a coaching change, even late in the season. One year he did that in New Jersey with, I think, fewer than 10 games to go in the regular season, made a coaching change, and they went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. So Lane Lambert out as the head coach of the New York Islanders, and Patrick Waugh, yes, that Patrick Waugh, he is the Islanders' new head coach. Uh, Islanders hockey tomorrow night, and we'll have it for you on 1050 a.m., the Islanders against the Dallas Stars. Uh, that'll be uh, at UBS Arena on the island, and that starts at 7.30 tomorrow. So a little bit of breaking hockey news there for you, Islanders, with a coaching change. We got Knicks basketball later tonight. It'll be an interesting night at Madison Square Garden. R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly are back with the Toronto Raptors. It's one of those trades, and you like to see it. You definitely like to see it because in this case, look, if you're looking at it from the Knicks' perspective, you're a fan of the Knicks, okay? Your team is better now than it was before, all right? And you have now sent off two players who were instrumental to getting your team to the level it is currently at, but there was a higher level that you could go to with some different personnel, all right? You send those two players off, but they're both very popular players. They're homegrown players. We know how those players are treated and received and a lot of times revered in this town. Barrett and Quickly, not that they did everything right because nobody does everything right, but there were very few missteps on their part. They were good Knicks. They were solid citizens. They were good players. They won a lot of games. They played important roles for this team. But now both of them in Toronto... For them personally and professionally, both of them are in better situations. You know, R.J. Barrett wants the ball in his hands. He wants to be a focal point of the offense. With Brunson and with Randall, that wasn't going to happen here. was never going to happen. Happened a little bit in 2021. The Knicks made the playoffs. He was the second-leading scorer. He was the second-best player on a team that was the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, but they plateaued in those playoffs, losing in five to the Atlanta Hawks. And then Emmanuel quickly wants to be a starting point guard. The Knicks got a starting point guard who the other night just scored 20 points in the fourth quarter. He's hit the 40-point mark four times this season. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to be in the running for an all-NBA player. He's going to go down maybe as the best free agent signing in the history of the franchise. If this continues and he stays here, he's going to go down as being one of the best players in the history of the franchise. For all the great moments and excitement, and, you know, kind of flamboyance and even showmanship at times that Emmanuel quickly has in his game. He was never going to step in the role as a starting point guard on the Knicks. So he's the starting point guard in Toronto, better situation. R.J. Barrett is one of the focal points of the offense right now. He's either option 1A or 1B along with Scotty Barnes. Plus, R.J. has the added benefit of being home. He's from Toronto. That means a lot to him. Family's important to him. It's a win-win for those guys. So if you're the Knicks... Look, your team's better off. That should be enough. But in this case, you actually have the added benefit of two guys who you like and you respect and you want good things for are also in better situations for themselves. I'm interested to see how they're going to be received tonight at Madison Square Garden. I think it will be positive, and I think it should be positive. We'll have more on this on 98.7 ESPN New York.